And welcome to our class this day. I'm your instructor, Dr. D. Todd Harrison, and we invite the Lord to open the heavens, to pour out his spirit upon us, to pour out his presence upon us, to speak through us this day as we listen to his holy words. Let Jesus live inside of us through the Holy Ghost, through the Holy Spirit, as we open the heavens and seek God's glory. Uh, it's exciting to be here with you. I love the, 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 this the greatest time of my week each week to come forth and be able to teach the gospel and to testify of him who is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I testify that he lives today. He rose from the dead. He sits enthroned at the Heavenly Father's presence and at his right hand, where they are surrounded by concourses of angels in the attitude of singing praises and hallelujahs to their holy names. It's great to be here this day. We ask God to speak through us that the words that we will speak will be scripture, will be the word of the Lord, will be the will of the Lord and the power of God unto salvation. I ask God to pour out a blessing upon all of those of you who are taking time out of your schedules to listen to the word of God. I ask God to bless your bless you for your righteous hearts, your righteous desires to want to learn more about him, to find out the truths of the gospel that can bring you joy and happiness in your lives, that you're seeking out to develop your own faith, your own testimony, your own witness of the things of God, the things that are true, the truths of this universe and of the truths of reality, of those things I'm here to declare to you this day. I testify that the prophet Joseph Smith was God's mighty prophet, foreordained in the pre-mortal councils to come forth in the 19th century, to bring forth the restoration of the gospel, and we're about to hear about that in a few moments here in our lesson today. We reverence uh, him, uh, we uh, are always grateful for him, for his sacrifice. A lot of people don't do, do pay attention to that, don't fully appreciate it. While only Jesus Christ could die for the sins of the world, Joseph Smith was a savior in the sense that he brought forth the gospel and was willing to die as a martyr to seal his testimony, to seal this testimony of this great Latter-day work in his own blood. As the Doctrine and Covenants will say later on this year, that no man has done any more work for the salvation of mankind except Jesus only. We are grateful to study the words of the Lord Jesus Christ as he revealed them to his servant, the prophet Joseph Smith, that same prophet of which Jesus Christ has declared dozens of times this year throughout the Doctrine and Covenants, is his servant is his mighty prophet, and that God himself declares that he gave that prophet the authority of the priesthood to restore this latter-day gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the same gospel that Jesus taught in the same church that he organized when he was upon the earth, and as we'll see in a few moments here as well. Welcome here today. In our class, let's look at Doctrine and Covenants 85 to 87. Make sure you join us. Make sure you join us next week as well. 
Next week is one of the big ones. The Doctrine and Covenants 88. The olive leaf plucked from the trees of paradise. As we will learn many great, important, wonderful revelations of Jesus Christ next week as well. Let's look here at the 85. And we're going to see, well, it's just a couple of pages today. In our lesson, there's a lot of great uh, detail, a lot of great uh, gospel truth here. Let's look at 85, and this is a letter, part of a letter written to W to the apostle, W.W. Phelps. Let's look first at verse 3. It says, It is contrary to the will and commandment of God that those who receive not their inheritance by consecration, agreeable to his law which he has given, that he may tithe his people to prepare them against the day of vengeance and burning, shall have their names enrolled with the people of God. Who is Jesus Christ declaring right away again, right? We've seen this dozens and dozens and dozens of times. Who is he calling the people of God? Those who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. What do we learn here about tithing? And this is not the first time, right, in the Doctrine and Covenants. He's said that he's taught this doctrine multiple times, that those who pay their tithing will not be burned at his coming. At his second coming, his promise in the scriptures, in the Doctrine and Covenants, he will not burn those who pay their tithing. And so here he says again that this tithing, he's commanding the people to tithe by paying their tithes, to preparing themselves against the day of vengeance, and against the day of burning. When Jesus comes back, it's going to be a glorious appearing for the righteous, for the saints of God, those who have done their best to keep his commandments and to follow his will for their lives. For the wicked, it will be a day of vengeance. We're told all kinds of scriptures from the Lord himself as to uh, quite graphic in a lot of places of what Jesus will do to the wicked in the day of his coming, it will be a day of vengeance for the wicked, and it'll be a glorious day for the righteous. Let's look now at verse 6. Yea, saith the still small voice, which whispereth through and pierceth all things, and oftentimes it maketh my bones, Joseph Smith Jr., the prophet's bones, to quake while it maketh manifest. Now, most of us have yet to have that experience, but what a great goal that is to continue to develop our spirituality, to continue to develop our ability and our spiritual gifts to hear the word of the Lord, to learn to listen to that still small voice, speak revelation and inspiration to our souls to the point that we can one day hopefully say, that it maketh my bones to shake while it maketh manifest. What a glorious thing, you know, saying it maketh his bones to quake. He learned to hear the still small voice. One of the great scriptures in the Old Testament is in the life of the prophet Elijah. We're going to see this next year when we look at the Old Testament. But the Elijah, remember, he's, he's you know, he's Jez, Queen Jezebel's, Seeking his life, he's just killed the 400 priests of Baal, two A's, Baal, and and he's she's upset, right? She likes to worship Baal and his lovely bride, Asherah, the female goddess. And uh, 
and so she's seeking his his to kill him now, right? That uh, she, she says she want to kill him just as he, she killed the the priests of Baal. Elijah runs off. He's hiding in a cave on Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai. At which point he's trying to listen for the voice of the Lord. And what happens, right? A strong wind comes by and it's so powerful. It, it breaks the rocks on the mountain. But says God was not in that mighty wind. After that, a strong earthquake takes place on this mountain. But God was not in the earthquake. After this, a great fire appeared and, and burned this, uh, you know, the, 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 the Mount Horeb. But God was not in the fire. So God was not in the strong wind that broke the rocks. He was not in the strong earthquake. He was not in the strong fire. After those three things, a still small voice came. And when Elijah heard that still small voice of the Lord, he went forth to the opening of the cave, ready to hear, here I am, Lord, you know, speak to me. He was ready to listen. He knew, he recognized that among the wind and the earthquake and the fire, he recognized God's voice as the still small voice. And most of the time, that's how God uh, speaks to uh, mankind. Uh, you know, uh, yes, Moses saw a burning bush and God spoke out of the burning bush. Yes, there's all kinds of, uh, the heavens were parted. And when Jesus was being baptized in the river Jordan by John the Baptist, the heavens were open and they heard the voice of God speak from the clouds of heaven. So those kinds of things can happen. But in the majority of cases, revelation is received by this still small voice. Here's Joseph Smith, who's, who saw Jesus Christ on multiple occasions. Yet here he is talking about how he often receives the revelation in this still small voice. So despite all the visions, all the revelations he had, all the angelic appearances, the appearances of God and Jesus, yet most of the time God still spoke to him in this still small voice. Let's look at verse 9 through 10. And all they who are not found written in the book of remembrance shall find none inheritance in that day, but they shall be cut asunder. God will cut them in, in pieces. We get lots of this graphic uh, description, right? Jesus Christ, no greater love hath this than a, no greater love hath this that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus Christ, pure love. Jesus Christ washed the disciples' dirty feet. Jesus Christ performed all kinds of merciful. Uh, merciful healings uh, of all kinds of miracles. He is a God of perfect kindness and love. But being a perfect being, a perfect God, he's also a perfect God of justice and judgment. That's why in the scriptures, in the New Testament, in the Doctrine and Covenants, you get Jesus Christ saying very horrifying, very graphic details of what's going to happen to the wicked. Because as a divine, perfect God of justice and judgment, those are true judgments that God has to pour out upon the people. But those who are willing to, re to receive forgiveness and repent of their sins, 
and accept Jesus into their lives, he will bless them with love, kindness, and mercy. So you get those two things. That's why he, graphic here again, right? Says I'm, he's going to cut them asunder, just like Isaiah was cut asunder in the you know, Old Testament times. And their portion shall be appointed them among unbelievers, where are wailing and gnashing of teeth. Those who, he's gone over this doctrine several times, those who refuse to accept and believe in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. He's classified them in the Doctrine and Covenant 76 with the adulterers and the liars and, uh, you know, fornicators and so forth. He says that so those who are not faithful, the members of the church, will find themselves among the unbelievers where they'll be weeping and wailing and, and, and gnashing of teeth. And uh, and he, he says here, now when Joseph Smith, I like this next verse 10 here, right? These things I, Joseph Smith, say not of myself. Therefore, as the Lord speaketh, he will also fulfill. You know, I've had that experience a couple of times during this year and reading these judgments of God that are being poured out. Remember, I've, I've, say, I've had to take a step back and say, you know, I, Dr. Harrison, am not saying this. This is the words of Jesus Christ saying this. And so here I like it that here Joseph Smith saying the same thing that I've, I've had to do a couple of times where after Jesus has just threatened to cut them asunder, Joseph Smith say, look, I'm not saying that. I, Joseph Smith, I'm not saying that. Jesus is saying that. and But because Jesus is saying that, he will fulfill, right? Not the one word, not one of the words of Jesus Christ will not be fulfilled. They will all be fulfilled, right? Even by his voice or by the voice of his servants, he will fulfill them. So if he's promising to cut people asunder, he will cut the wicked asunder, right? But Joe Smith's saying it's hard for me to say that, right? Just like it's been hard for me a couple of times this year to, to, to uh, teach these judgments of God. Okay, so that we so that covers what we got here in 85. Now let's move here to 86. Parable of Jesus Christ. Again, the revelation comes about because why? They are pondering the scriptures as they're translating the Bible and doing the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible. They are pondering the things in the Bible. They've already been given section 77, which are questions they had about the book of Revelation. Uh, they've been told things about what Paul had said and what Paul had, had taught and, and uh, whether they came from God or whether Paul spoke uh, for, for himself. Uh, well, here they get this revelation here on in Matthew uh, 13, the parable of the, of the uh, you know, wheat and tares. So let's turn in your Bibles to, uh, uh, to Matthew, uh, Matthew 13. If you're using the LDS uh, uh, the version of the scriptures, it's page 1210, 1210. Uh, uh, others of you using different uh, translations and so forth. Uh, just go ahead to Matthew 13, uh, and uh, we'll look at the verses 24 through 30. We'll first look at the Lord Jesus Christ, the record given of his teaching the parable. Remember, part of the issue we have when dealing with the teachings of Jesus Christ as taught in the New Testament, is these things were not written down immediately. When Jesus Christ gave the Sermon on the Mount around A.D. 30, uh, they were not written down in A.D. 30. You know, Matthew was written down in about 85 A.D., so about 55 years later. So 
Matthew, through the inspiration and revelation, the Holy Ghost is doing his best to remember the words that Jesus taught in the in the Sermon of the Mount. Uh, uh, excuse me, not the Sermon of the Mount here, but in, in the different sermons that Jesus gave, he's, in the different parables that Jesus gave, he's trying 55 years later to remember them. So they may not be exactly as Jesus delivered them, and uh, but Jesus is going to answer and explain some of these great things here in this great parable of the wheat and the tares. Let's look at 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. Now we're going to see in the Revelation, uh, in the Doctrine and Covenants 86, that the field, of course, would be representative of the world. If you had spiritual ears to hear and uh, spiritual understanding, as you read Matthew 13, you probably already knew that, right? That this field would be the world. He says, um, like in, uh, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man who has sowed good seed in his field, in the world. So you go forward, uh, the sowers of, of uh, the apostles of Jesus Christ, the uh, the seventy of Jesus Christ, the, 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 the missionaries, those who have been uh, uh, appointed uh, uh, where the apostles can't go, they send the seventy and they send missionaries. And so as, as you're appointed to those uh, callings, you're going forth and you're uh, sowing seed, right? You're sowing the seed. You're giving people an opportunity to hear the gospel. You're giving everybody the uh, gospel that would be willing to listen, both the, the wheat and the tares. 25, but while man slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. So as the missionaries, the apostles, the 70, were gathering together righteous souls into the church in the first century A.D. after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. As the apostles were sowing the seed and the missionaries and the 70 and whoever else they had that was helping to preach the gospel. Uh, that uh, the uh, that the, uh, were gathering together into the church, the uh, wheat, but the, the enemy... Satan, the enemy of all uh, righteousness, came forward and started to introduce false doctrines into the church and apostate uh, notions and apostate uh, uh, ideas uh, to the point that uh, when they start to create these post-non-biblical creeds in the 300s and 400s and 500s, uh, they no longer even worship the God of the Bible. They no longer worship the Jesus Christ of the Bible. He says, uh, so while the man, the Lord is sleeping, the man here being the Lord, right? His enemy, the, the Satan, came and sold tares, sold false doctrine, heresies, false ideas among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up, when God restored the gospel of Jesus Christ in 1830, that's what we're going to see here in section 86. Don't go there. The, whole, the, the section 86 uh, he says here, so let's maybe read them together here. So we just looked at the first the, the two verses here. So now let's look here at 86. Keep your hand in Matthew 13. Uh, keep your hand in Matthew 13. Maybe if you can put your hand both the sides, uh, that would be good too. Verily thus saith the Lord unto you, my servants, concerning the parable of the wheat and the tares. Behold, verily I say, the field was the world. So the field is the world. And the apostles were the sowers of the seed. And then they gave forward their authority to the 70 and the missionaries and whoever else they had preaching the gospel. And after they had fallen asleep, 
the great persecutor of the church, the apostate, the whore, even Babylon, the kingdom of the devil, the kingdom of wickedness, Satan, the one-third fallen angel, uh, the one-third of the, uh, the disobedient, rebellious spirits. Even Babylon, who makes all nations a drink of her cup, in whose hearts the enemy, even Satan, steereth to reign, sitteth, sitteth to reign. Behold, he soweth the tares. So Satan indeed is the one sowing this false doctrines, false ideas, false notions into the early first century church. He says, Behold, the, the soweth the tares. Wherefore, the tares choke the wheat as morph as the false doctrines, false uh, teachings spread forth among the church. It choked the wheat. It did away with the true doctrinal teachings of Jesus Christ. The people were left with the Bible. Uh, they were taught, they were left with some good Christian living principles, but a lot of false doctrine had crept in to the church, overcome it, drove the woman. In Revelation 12, 6, the church is represented as the woman, drove the woman into the wilderness for the space of 1,260 years until 1830, when the restoration would come about, so that the rest of the apostasy full bloom, 570 AD, 1260 years later, we get the restoration of the gospel in 1830. And, uh, and so he drives the church into the wilderness. But behold, in the last days, even now in 1830, while the Lord is beginning to bring forth the word, so he's beginning to bring forth the word. See, he brought forth the word when he was on the earth. Then for 1,800 years, he did not bring forth the word, right? But then he started to bring forth the word. And the blade is springing up and is yet tender. So now he's, he's starting to restore the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's got this, you know, billion uh, Christians. I don't know how many in 1830, but you got, uh, you know, several hundreds of millions probably to a billion or so. Christians throughout the world uh, that are mixed in here. Uh, this wheat is mixed with these with the tares, right? He's starting to restore the gospel. The blade uh, coming up here when the blade was sprung up, brought forth, then appeared the tares also. So he comes back to the earth in 1830 to the prophet Joseph Smith to restore the gospel, beginning in 1820, and he finds his church is corrupt. And uh, that these tares were among the wheat, right? So then he says here, and then and uh, let's look at twenty-seven. So the servants of the householder, the the apostles, came and said unto him, Lord, sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence that, that um, from whence then hath it tares? See, Jesus Christ taught the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. His apostles taught the pure gospel, the true gospel, the true doctrine of God. Said, you, you taught that, right? Therefore, where did it get this, these tares from? He said unto them, so the Lord says to the apostles, an enemy, Satan, hath done this. The servant said unto him, wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root also up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles, to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So what he's saying here, 
is that he says, you know, the angels here, and let's look now, 86, verse 5. Behold, verily I say unto you, the angels are crying unto the Lord day and night who are ready. Now, these are the angels of destruction, as mentioned in the book of Revelation, ready and just waiting to hear from God to say, go destroy the earth, and they'll start to do all kinds of destruction. So the angels are crying unto the Lord day and night who are ready and waiting to be sent forth to reap down the fields, to destroy the earth, to destroy the wicked. But the Lord said unto them, pluck not up the tares while the blade is yet tender. For verily your faith is weak, lest you destroy the wheat also. So that's why God, when he came back in, in the 1800s, he didn't just destroy you know, the, all these other false churches. He didn't destroy them. He condemned them. He told the prophet Joel Smith in 1820, join none of them. For they teach, uh, you know, false apostate notions that they're, they're creeds. The creeds are an abomination to him. That their uh, pastors and teachers, you know, honor Jesus with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. And they teach the doctrines of the command, you know, the doctrines of man to be pleasing in the eyes of the world. The Book of Mormon and, and Nephi talks a lot about what was going on with these kinds of uh, uh, priests and uh, pastors when Jesus came back. But Jesus didn't destroy them, right? He said, look, we're not going to destroy them. They've kept my memory at least alive for the last 1800s. They've taught good Christ, Christian living principles. They've prepared the hearts of a lot of people that now that my sheep, when they hear my voice, will listen to the missionaries and join the church. So They've performed a great service in keeping the memory of Jesus alive. How would you like to be a missionary in today's world and go out and say, well, the, you know, the ancient God, Baal, says, you know, he's restored his church and you should really get baptized, uh, you know, into it, right? You know, the ancient Israelites worshiped this false god, Baal. It's all mentioned throughout the Old Testament, right? And, uh, you know, so that would that would be much more difficult, right, if, if no one had heard. Like most of the world's never heard of this ancient god Baal, right? Uh, if if, no, if they had not kept the memory of Jesus alive, we'd be going forward saying there's this uh, ancient guy and you know ancient god. He lived among men. You know his name was Jesus, and you know he died for the sins of the world. He's restored his gospel. You know, come join, right? Uh, it wouldn't be as effective, right? So. They did a they did a good service there, and that's why Jesus didn't you know destroy that. He's saying, look, they're still at least teaching some Christian principles. They're still keeping my memory alive. We're not going to burn them yet. Uh, we're going to uh, you know, lest we damage and destroy uh, the wheat. Those who are faithful uh, uh, sheep in those churches, who when they hear my voice through the missionaries, will join the church. So he says, I'll continue to leave them uh, alone, right? Less, uh, in 6 here, but the Lord saith unto them, pluck not up the tares while the blade is yet tender, for verily your faith is weak, lest you destroy the wheat also. Therefore, let the wheat and the tares grow together until the harvest is fully ripe. So now there's two things going on here, right? Uh, continue to leave those Christian churches uh, that claim to be Christian uh, though they worship false gods and uh, these creeds that are not found on biblical truth. Uh, but we'll leave those uh, who call themselves Christians alone. Uh, we'll continue to let them try to keep my memory alive. 
And uh, but then the then in the last days and and this also has a twofold uh, application. Now, also with the members of the church, we go forward, we give everyone an opportunity, anyone willing to uh, make some commitments with the Lord. uh, We allow them to become baptized members of the church. Now, God does. Now, as soon as they fall into apostasy and start to criticize the prophet and criticize church doctrine, God doesn't allow his angels to come down immediately to destroy them, right? He's allowing in the church itself these the, the wheat to grow along with the with the, the tares to grow along with the wheat. He says here, but this uh, ripening process is going to take place, right? Therefore, let the wheat and the tares grow together until the harvest is fully ripe. Then he shall first gather out the wheat from among the tares. And after the gathering of the wheat, behold and load, the tares are bound in bundles, and the field remaineth to be burned, right? And that's what we got here in uh, verse 30 of Matthew. Let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So as I restored the true church uh, of mine, my true church upon the earth, in the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, let the wheat gather in, into my barn, into the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, the the uh, tares, uh, gather them together in bundles and then burn them, right? Again, the God of mercy and kindness and love is also the God of perfect justice and judgment. Okay, so then he says here in uh, verse 8, Therefore thus saith the Lord unto you, uh, Joseph Smith and, and the early brethren, uh, with whom the priesthood hath continued through the lineage of your fathers. We know that the uh, many of these uh, apostolic families who've had the multiple general authorities come out of their families are the true blood of Israel. They were direct descendants of ancient Israel, and therefore the priesthood continued among them. They were the lawful heirs here in verse 9, according to the flesh, and have been hid from the world with Christ in God. God watched over the lineage of the prophet Joseph Smith. He watched over the lineage of the, of the Brigham Young and John Taylor and Wilford Woodruff and uh, Joseph F. Smith and, and uh, Spencer W. Kimball and Ezra Taft Benson and Russell M. Nelson. And he made sure that those lines were protected uh, so that, uh, that his prophets could come forth at their due time, at the due time of the Lord to, to serve in these latter days. Therefore, he hid them from the world to protect them, right? Therefore, your life and the priesthood have remained and must needs remain through you and your lineage until the restoration of all things smoked by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began. Therefore, blessed are ye if you continue in my goodness, a light unto the Gentiles. Joseph Smith, you're a light unto the Gentiles. And through this priesthood as Savior, we talked about this at the beginning of our lesson today, that Joe Smith is a savior. He's not the savior. He's a savior through the through his efforts to restore the gospel of Jesus Christ, the ordinances of the gospel, the ordinances of the temple, everything that is necessary to return, to be exalted for your exaltation and true salvation, to return to your heavenly father's presence. All came about through the hands of the prophet Joseph Smith, receiving and carrying out the instructions by, from Jesus Christ 
and from the angels, and therefore he is a savior unto his people Israel. The Lord has said it. Amen. Right? No, no man has said this. The Lord has said this. Okay, now let's look at 87. And here again, we've already seen multiple prophecies this year where Joe Smith prophesied of the civil, the civil war that took place in the Americas in the 1860s. And uh, those of you who are historians of American history know, know quite a bit about this. And all of this has been uh, fulfilled. What, 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 you know, what, I mean, I shouldn't say all of this prophecy has been fulfilled, but the things he prophesied of the Civil War, including in this prophecy, you know, were literally fulfilled. Let's look at this revelation given 30 years. So this is like Jesus when he, uh, you know, went into Jerusalem in that last final week. Uh, this Passion Week, right? He prophesied that the temple would be destroyed by the Romans, you know, and that uh, not one stone would be left upon another. And that was literally fulfilled. It took, uh, you know, approximately 40 years until AD 70 when the Romans came in and burned down the temple and destroyed Jerusalem. But it was fulfilled. This is 30 years prior to the uh, prophecy, uh, you know, pro uh, prior to the Civil War, but nevertheless fulfilled the prophecy. So when God gives prophecies, he still gives people years to have a chance to change their hearts and to repent, to not allow that prophecy to take place. Remember, even Paul said that where there are prophecies, they may fail. The people can repent of their sins and, and avert disaster and avert the judgments and justice of, of God. So he gives 30 years here. Here's a prophecy if they don't repent, but if they repent, None of this would have happened. Verily, thus saith the Lord concerning the wars that will shortly come to pass. Beginning that, and so many wars, right? Since then, we've had World War One, World War Two, the Vietnam War, the Korean War. Uh, we've had, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, you know, the wars in in the Middle East, uh, in uh, you know, Afghanistan, and and uh, you know, in Iraq, and. You know, all, all these wars, right? And the, we had the Civil War. He said, beginning at the rebellion of South Carolina, which will eventually terminate in the death and misery of many souls. As the northern states in the United States fought the southern states, uh, many, many souls were killed. And the time will come that war will be poured out upon all nations, beginning at this place. Beginning at South Carolina, the day's coming that's not fulfilled yet, but eventually a war among all nations. For behold, the southern states shall be divided against the northern states, and the southern states will call on other nations, even the nation of Great Britain, right? They had declared their independence from Great Britain. They had fought Great Britain, trying to be independent from them. We used to be a, the United States used to be a colony of Great Britain, and now here they go right back and then plead for the help of the, you know, of the people they fought for their independence from, right? And as it is called, the nation also call upon other nations. That was fulfilled in order to defend themselves against other nations. And then war shall be poured out upon all nations. And it shall come to pass after many days, slaves shall rise up against their masters. who shall be marshaled and disciplined for war. Uh, because of the Civil War, we no longer have slavery in the United, in the United States. So great things come out, you know. Uh, the, you know what the Lord said in Romans 8:38 that all things, both good and bad, 
work together for good for those who who love the Lord. So uh, while civil war is a horrible thing, yet it brought to pass uh, great things in the sense that it solidified the nation once again uh, together, and it uh, did away with slavery, uh, where we can all treat each other and have equal uh, rights uh, under the protection of of current laws. And so a lot of great good came out of this. And it shall come to pass also that the remnant who are left of the land will marshal themselves and shall become exceedingly angry and shall vex the Gentiles with a sore vexation. And thus with the sword and by bloodshed, the inhabitants of the earth shall mourn. And with famine and plague and earthquake and the thunder of heaven and fierce and vivid lightning also shall the inhabitants of the earth be uh, be made to fill the wrath and the indignation and the chastening hand of an almighty God until the consumption decree hath made a full end of all nations. Now, you know, so that's a lot of this is yet to come. That there would be, as uh, Jesus said in, in Matthew, there would be earthquakes in diverse places. We're going to get a lot more earthquakes. We've seen in uh, the uh, geological record, how earthquakes have been increasing at greater frequency uh, over the last several years. It says, so we're going to be getting lots of earthquakes, plagues. We've seen those poured out upon the earth in the current, uh, uh, in the current pandemic. And uh, uh, lightnings, and, uh, you know, we've seen tsunamis, and we've seen uh, all kinds of uh, things, and uh, famines in a lot of areas of the world. And, and, uh, and it says, so. He said they're going to fill the wrath. These things are coming upon the earth so that hopefully people can feel the wrath and indignation of God. Because if you feel the wrath and indignation of God, you're going to want to do something about it, right? You're going to want to repent of your sins. You want to get bow in the humble and humbleness to your God and repent of your of your sins and ask him to bless and protect you. That's why he's pouring out these things upon the earth. Until the consumption decreed hath made a full end of all nations. That the cry of the saints and of the blood of the saints shall cease to come up into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth from the earth to be avenged of their enemies. Wherefore stand ye in holy places and be not moved until the day of the Lord come. For behold, it cometh quickly, saith the Lord, Amen. He's been saying that for nearly 2,000 years. But remember what Peter says in the New Testament, that one day with the Lord is a 1,000 years. So it hasn't yet been 2,000 years, meaning it has not yet been two days for the Lord. So when he says he's, come, he's coming quickly, yeah, where he's, he's, he meant that by a couple of days, right? So, my, you know, whether it takes another 1,000 years or not, it'll still be three days, right? So we, we know. he said he's coming quickly, right? He's coming within a few days. In the, and so that's what he's saying here. And so he says, in the meantime, standing in holy places, we need to uh, fortify our home and make that a holy place, a sanctuary for our families and uh, a holy place to, to the Lord, right? Uh, besides that, the church buildings that we should try where we where we're in nations that permit it and where we uh, have opportunities uh, and we're uh, maybe the pandemic is not as great at, at this time in the year uh, 2021 to uh, stand ye in uh, holy places in your local church buildings where possible go to the temple and stand in the temple right to, 
So these are the kinds of holy places, your home, uh, the church, and the temple. And be prepared for the Lord cometh quickly. And, you, you know, and you want to be ready for when he comes so that it's not a day of, of vengeance upon you, but it'd be a day of, uh, of happiness and, and blessing uh, in your life. And so what a what marvelous lesson once again we've had uh, this week. We've seen, we've heard, we've sat under the voice of Jesus Christ as he has continued to teach the things that he wants the Latter-day Saints, his people, as he called the, the people of God earlier in that verse, uh, his people, the people of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, to know in these latter days. He's extended the invitation to those who are not yet members of the church. That you need to become a follower of Jesus Christ. That you need to come and become part of his church, of his kingdom upon the earth. The church is his current kingdom. Until the church grows and grows and fills the whole world, Jesus comes back down to meet his bride, the church. We have the great marriage supper in which Jesus marries his church, reigns as our king of kings and lord of lords for 1,000 years upon the earth. All of us can be worthy to receive those blessings, whether we are still alive to experience that or whether we can watch that as uh, righteous uh, souls from the spirit world. We will all one day have the opportunity to participate in such a glorious uh, reunion of the Lord to his earth, uh, to his church, uh, his bride, as the scriptures that talk about in the New Testament, his bride being the church, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And that's why his invitation is to all, come forth, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. The Spirit says, come, come unto Jesus, come unto the gospel, come and join the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. For those of you who are not yet members, I will put in the description of this video the link. Just click on the link for the missionaries. Let them know you're ready to come unto Jesus Christ. They will teach you what you need to know. They will help you set the goals towards your baptismal day in which you can become a member of Jesus Christ's kingdom upon the earth. You become a Christian through the waters of baptism. The Heavenly Father then wants to get involved and bless you in your lives. He, he will then give you a new name, that of a Latter-day Saint. No greater name can you be called by that. Remember, Apostle Paul uh, doesn't use the name of Christian a single time in all his epistles in the New Testament. But he uses saints 39 times, right? So even Paul knew that to be called a saint by God is a glorious blessing. And so that's why God in these days calls you saints as well, latter-day saints. Saints living in the latter days prior to, the, to his son's return to the earth. I love all of you. We pray for you every day. I leave my witness, my testimony that these things are true. These are the things that will bring you joy and happiness in your lives and will prepare and sanctify you by receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost to burn out of you any desire to sin in your lives, to want to do your best to keep the commandments, having faith and testimony that when you fall short, Christ has already paid that penalty for those sins. Just forsake them, confess them to your Heavenly Father in humble prayer. He will forgive you and restore the Holy Ghost to, to you immediately. These things are wonderful. Uh, Joseph Smith, 
you know, you can't say enough wonderful things about him and to be thankful that he was willing to suffer as a the, the current uh, the, the suffering servant, if you will, from Isaiah, uh, suffering servant in the latter days, uh, never replacing Christ, but being Christ's servant to allow Jesus Christ to restore through him his church upon the earth. God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus Christ into the world to die and be crucified for the sins of the world. He still loves his loves the world 2,000 years later to send Jesus Christ back to the earth to restore the church upon the earth, to restore these ordinances. Without the ordinances of the temple, without the priesthood and authority of God to perform baptisms on the earth, the atonement of, and suffering of, of Jesus Christ was in vain. If you don't have, if you're not able to be baptized by the priest and authority of God, there was no reason to have the suffering and crucifixion of, of Jesus for the sins of the world. But there was a great reason to have that, and that's why God has restored his priesthood in these latter days, so that we can repent and receive uh, forgiveness of our sins through the waters of baptism. We can go forward to the temple and receive the higher ordinances of the gospel, validating and, and all owing uh, great thanks, eternal gratefulness to our to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our elder brother in the spirit, uh, who was willing to give his life for mankind. No greater love hath this than that a man lay down his life for his friends. We will forever be grateful to him for his atoning sacrifice and for bleeding at every pore. Until next time, we leave these things with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.